Hi everybody, my name is Lee Klotz, and welcome back to another episode of Neil Before Zod. I'm here as always with my counterpart, Adam Levine. Welcome back, Mr. Klontz. It's good to be back. We've, we've had a little bit of a, uh, a break. We uh, took a break for the holidays and for the election and for the, the carnage that ensued, but we are back to talk about uh, some <laughs> movies. We've got uh, Logan and Passengers on the docket for tonight, as well as uh, talking about the Justice League trailer that just dropped this week and Mass Effect Andromeda. Exciting stuff. So, uh... Let's get started. All right. Lee, we're going to talk about movies first. And I think the movie we both were waiting to catch up and see so we could talk about it is Logan. Uh, So right off the bat, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I've got to say, I mean, I I have a a real... um kind of a complex set of emotions around the X-Men movies because the variance in quality, you know, over the past almost 20 years has been so high. I mean, uh, you've got some really solid uh, entries and then you've got some real duds. And uh, you've had, you know, frankly, probably the worst of them in the past 12 months in Apocalypse, which I thought was just awful. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing that's been the common thread through all of them is is Hugh Jackman as as Wolverine and so it was it was nice to finally see him I think get a movie that actually does the character some justice um I'm not saying it's like the perfect Wolverine movie but I really liked the the tone and what they were trying to do and it was kind of funny and tragic and uh had some some great action scenes too how about you I you know I loved it, and and we'll talk in a little bit about where I think it it sort of ranks in the pantheon of superhero movies. But, you know, I I really did like how ultimately, (laughs) whether it was, you know, obviously it was never intended as a trilogy, but this is the third standalone Wolverine film. Obviously, the the first one, uh, Wolverine Origins, was just a debacle. Awful. Right? You know, that's amongst the worst of the, the franchise. And then they followed it up with the Wolverine, which I thought was not not bad. That was that was coming off really good source material that the whole Wolverine goes to Japan is a, a, a nice little mini series that ran, gosh, back in the 80s. And I was a really big fan of it then. And mm-hmm. uh, they did a reasonable job with it, but it still suffered, I think, from... Uh, not, not the best uh, use of special effects, and the story kind of went off the rail at the at you know in about the, the the last third of the film. Totally. But I think that was that was one of the things I, I really liked about Logan was it didn't rely on sort of a CG villain. Uh, it wasn't sort of you know as predictably you know setting up. You know, a lot of superheroes we've seen uh, films rather I should say have just in service of the franchise or setting up the next film have been just god awful. They've stumbled all over themselves and this film while it technically could set up other films it wasn't going to be setting up another Wolverine film and I think because they kind of got out of that confine and made it, you know, a, just a good standalone film, I think that automatically elevated the quality. Yeah, I I I'm wondering Obviously, the, the, the X-Men movie timeline is just 
chaos just absolutely no, it's, ruined. It's, it's a nightmare <laughs> it, it, i mean honestly if you if you try to track the characters ages even in the post uh, uh first class timeline the, the ages make no sense between the two time like the the you know 20 years have gone by and some people have aged you know from uh michael fossbender to ian mckellen uh while others have aged really not at all and it's 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 really kind of broken that way do you think that they would have been better off just completely divorcing this Wolverine movie from anything that had gone before? Or is that really kind of what they did in a way? I mean, I, yes, technically that's what they did, but, you know, by kind of thrusting it into the future. But I, I think by sort of acknowledging that some of that history existed and bringing in, you know, the Professor X character and, you know, essentially having them both kind of conclude their their stories... I think it just was, it had so much more, uh, I think, resonance because it wasn't trying to hide from all of that just the same, right? It didn't need to go into details. And, and, and that's actually one of the things I think the film was smart in doing. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of key moments in the film where they're referring to events that just never get explained. Like, you know, the, we, don't, we don't really know coming out of the film what happened to the X-Men, you know, it's not clear was like, did Wolverine do something bad? Did Professor X do something bad? Did they both do something bad? I like that they didn't even bother to try to explain that. Well, and it's almost and that like to they, me was kind of a yeah, they couldn't they they couldn't, but they could have. But I thought it was kind of a, a good storytelling mechanic not to, but still a nod to the fact that, you know, the other films do exist and other films probably will still come before that timeline in that timeline. Yeah, I would imagine so. And I, I really I kind of like the the. The implication, even though they, as, as you point out, they didn't really uh, uh, nail it down that Professor X may have actually been complicit in the death of the X-Men, right? I mean, the whole thing where he kind of realizes something happened in Westchester and seven people died. And, uh, you know, it makes you wonder if, you know, that really wasn't kind of the inciting incident that kind of sent him into exile, which is kind of horrific. But it's actually for someone of his like power it's kind of an interesting take on that character. I mean, it's, it's pretty dark, you know, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I could be wrong, but I think in the comics it falls more on Wolverine's actions. Um, I believe that falls on the, uh, on Wolverine's played in the comics, but I actually haven't gotten around to reading old man Logan and I don't know how much he, that comic actually gets into how he gets to that point. But I'm I'm anxious to to give that a go. Yeah, I mean I I haven't read it either, so I couldn't say. I just uh, I kind of I, I'm with you. I like the ambiguity of it and just the just the the tone. I mean, even though it's funny, it's a real gallows kind of humor. I mean, they're facing they're both facing death and they both know it, and you know they're both trying to find a way to gracefully ride off into the sunset and end these careers that frankly ended in failure. And, uh, you know, when you think about the fact that we've been watching these movies now for two decades and, you know, they have this kind of light, for the most part, kind of silly tone, although tonally they're really all over the place. Uh, they're, they're not generally uh, very serious movies. They're not generally very serious movies. And uh, uh, to end this way, that's a that's a pretty rough way to go out. I mean, with you know, a clone of Wolverine killing Professor X and then Professor X basically, uh, and then Wolverine himself getting basically, uh, you know, impaled on a log until he, you know, he can't heal anymore. I mean, it's, that's pretty, that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, uh, I, I knew going in how violent it was 
and I actually kind of, I warned my wife. I'm like, just so you know, and, you know, she's not somebody who flips out over that, but I'm like, just so you know, this is extremely violent. You know, this is going to be a hard R and it certainly delivered on that. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to sit down and watch all the movies together because, you know, even though Hugh Jackman is the same character and is basically the same way, he's had to kind of adopt all these different kind of versions of that same character. I'm not sure that's ever happened before. I mean, I think he's played Wolverine now, what, this nine times, ten times? I mean, he's played him. Nine, nine times, yeah. Nine times. Um, it's crazy. It, it, it's insane. And, uh, you know, with, with multiple versions of the cast. And, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a real... Uh, it's a real kind of, you know, uh, role of his career. I mean, uh, very few actors I don't think have ever done anything quite like it. And, you know, I can't say I, I, I love every every minute of every, you know, scene he's done. But he, I, I think back, you know, you and I were, uh, were going to the movies a lot back when they first made the X-Men movies. And uh, I believe Doug Ray Scott, you know, from uh, Mission Impossible 2 was originally yeah, uh, tagged. That's right. And it was like, oh, man, he's going to be great. And when he dropped out of the movie, I can't remember why he did, but and they he got, he, uh, he got hurt on, on, uh, the, the, for mission when they were filming mission impossible Two. got hurt. I mean, how much does Couldn't that do suck? It. Right. Um, but I mean, they, the, to, to, to think that Hugh Jackman was like the second best or the second choice, uh, man, what a, what a, what a lucky pick he was. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's a real strong way for him to go out and I really hope he doesn't do anymore. Um, yeah, I remember when when they initially announced the picking of him, and you think about like how long ago that was, and that was even before like the internet was at its kind of full full tooth yeah. in in the dissection of castings, and like even then I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, because I think people, certainly fans of the comic books, when he was cast, you know, you had sort of like this real runty tough guy, and they cast essentially like this, you know tall, pretty boy, yeah. you know, and you know, he, he did, you, you can't, you gotta, you gotta give the guy credit. He, he did a pretty good job with a very, you know, favored character. And frankly, you know, probably a lot of those films got made down the road because of him, you know, he became the star and, I, mean, and I don't, you know, that probably wasn't their plan, but that's what happened. I mean, and, and I mean, the, let's face it. I mean, you know, he and I are not that far apart in age and the dude is freaking like ripped. I mean, like the, oh, yeah. the physique he cultivated yeah. to make that role is, is, is a comic book physique, which is pretty, pretty amazing, especially at, you know, his age. I mean, when you look back at X-Men 1, he looks kind of shrimpy compared to the way he looked for the Wolverine. I mean, my God, it was crazy. The yeah, only I mean, thing- uh, you know, I, I'm I'm more Caliban than, than Wolverine <laughs> at this point, and I, I my hat's off to the guy. He's he's not some young kid anymore. Sunlight. Um, you know, the <laughs> only thing I would say that that is a real bummer, and, and you've you've probably seen the um, the deleted scene from the Wolverine where they actually bust out his like Chris Claremont era costume. He doesn't wear it, but it's actually like. It's you know it's, yeah it's, it's in a, the briefcase at the end yeah dude that costume looked baller I I so wanted <laughs> to see him one time wear the freaking costume because it's such an iconic look and you know I'm I'm a big fan of the brown and brown the, you know the yellow and black I could do without in the blue but you know the kind of the 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 kind of uh, the the clay colored and the the darker brown that 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 would have really been cool to see once but I guess that's just not gonna happen well. See, here's the thing. 
I'm going to promise you, you will see that costume and you're going to see a lot of that costume. And here's why, because at some point they're going to have to recast him and whoever that is, isn't going to be Hugh Jackman. And it's going to be one of these things where he's going to be wearing his costume more to hide the fact that he's not a a A-list star or, or just somebody they're trying to groom for the role. Like, I think that's the, that's the progression you're going to see there. You will see that costume to hide the fact that it's not Hugh Jackman running around in a pair of jeans and a white T-shirt because he's Hugh Jackman. Because Hugh Jackman can get away with that. Yeah, I mean... I, uh, Cause he can, yeah, exactly. I, I got I to see that costume, though, because that, that looked perfect. And I was like, dude, I, they, they've got to they bust that on. I, I, I'm really bummed we never got to even see him like wear it like on the set just to see what he would look like actually wearing the suit. We've never seen that suit before on an actual person. I... Yeah, I mean, he probably would look like a meatball in traction, but <laughs> who knows? It's. I will say this. At this point, we've seen so many of these stupid black leather costumes. I would welcome something, even if it looked a little weird at this point. 100%. I mean, I, I watched the end of uh, Apocalypse again the other day because it was on cable, and just everybody Oof. looks awful. I mean, just everyone looks just ridiculous and it's just uh you know I, I feel like the marvel cinematic universe has shown that you know you can do fairly comic booky costumes in a way that isn't just laughably dopey and apocalypse does everyone wrong i mean it's just so bad but you okay. jackman yep logan it's a great movie all right so i think we can both agree this is probably the best X-Men movie. So my question, unless you disagree with that, my question then is where does this rank in terms of say your top three or top five superhero films of all time? Where, where do you, where do you tentatively put it? You know, it's, it's hard in some ways to think of it as a superhero film and not, and this is not ducking the question. I'll answer the question, but I, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> such an unconventional superhero film. Um, you know, it's it's almost more of just kind of like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi film. It's more like a, I don't know, more like a Fury Road kind of a movie than than an, than an X-Men movie. But um, sure, you know, I mean, it's 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 definitely the best of the the X-Men franchise. I mean, and you know, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this before, but uh, I think most of those are kind of below the Mendoza line anyway. I mean, I think you know. Most of them are pretty, pretty, pretty crappy. So that's not really saying much. Um, you know, I think still, you know, for my money, um, I think that uh, that that you know, I I would say I haven't seen Spider-Man two in a long time. I always talk about Spider-Man two and these like kind of, you know, uh, with this very kind of uh, high level of, of affection. But I haven't actually seen it in years, and it may not hold up very well. Um, so, you know, I would say it's probably top 10 for sure, maybe top five, but I feel like it needs a little more time to percolate. Do you, uh, you put it near the top? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's in my top five, but you, I think raise a good point. There was a time when, you know, maybe X-Men one and X-Men two were up there right back when you were kind of looking backwards uh, you know, there's been so many superhero films and so many more, I think, talented people and and thought and time have been put into creating these movies that, you know, staying in a top five or even a top ten, uh, it's very difficult these days. I, I definitely think there was a time when X-Men 1, certainly X-Men 2 was in that, you know, in that top ten range. And they've just been blown out of the water by many more successful films just in the last five to six years. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing that a movie like... 
you know, Ant-Man is considered kind of, you know, kind of a mediocre entry in the Marvel series because, I mean, it's actually pretty good, but it's it's not... Yeah. The fact that it's not great means that it kind of is in the... the I think even Doctor Strange, which I really liked a lot, it was like, yeah, that was pretty great, but God, I mean, compared to the three Captain America movies, uh, compared to, you know, the, the first Avengers movie, you know, like, I mean, there's there's been so much good stuff that uh, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I think the, the, the other thing in thinking about kind of where you how you think about Logan in 2017 is in the, the kind of aftermath of Deadpool, which I think really showed Hollywood that there is a, uh, an, an audience for non uh, family friendly or PG 13 friendly action sci-fi uh, superheroes. And, 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 and I think we very well may see kind of more of that kind of tone um, because Logan's been a big hit. Deadpool was a crazy hit. Um, and I don't know that anyone really saw that coming. So I, I, I really like Deadpool a lot, too, for what it was. Um, I wouldn't say it's top five, because it... I mean, honestly, as a movie, not a lot really happens in it, but I think it's going to be a really influential movie. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, I, Deadpool, I, I really like Deadpool. I think that's hanging around in my top ten somewhere. I, I You know, I liked it again. I saw it on... on on, on cable again there on something the other day and it's you know i mean it is a it's a great you know it's like i don't know it's like a really great burrito you know it's like it's a really enjoyable or chimichanga it's like a really enjoyable movie are you hungry <laughs> i know um <laughs> like it's it's really fun but i mean like there's not a whole lot really kind of to it like it's a great kind of little you know, like a uh, nugget, but it doesn't really have any kind of broader impact. And I guess I feel like for me now, I've come to expect like, you know, a superhero movie has to kind of like have waves out into some kind of broader universe, which probably isn't fair. I mean, that's, you know, um, that's the only thing I really feel like it kind of uh, lacked for me was that sense of like interacting with other, uh, other franchises, which is, you know, uh, kind of par for the course. But okay. I did like it. All right. All right. I, I, I did too, and I definitely recommend people see it. Just don't let your kids anywhere near that one. Definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. Let's move on to another film that we both, uh, I think, recently watched because it came on demand. Um, I, as far as I know, you didn't see it in the theater. And that, of course, is uh, Passengers, which uh, <laughs> basically tells the tale of a ship that's being sent into, I think, another galaxy as sort of a colonization mission. And, you know, the premise is it's a, it's, a, it's a corporate ship, and apparently corporations have somehow monetized successfully sending 5,000 people into deep, deep space. They don't really explain the economy or even the economy of scale, frankly, as to how that works. And they make money off of that, but these people are on this long voyage, and it's supposed to be like a 100-year voyage, and a couple of the passengers wake up, um, so <laughs> I think uh, I, I don't want to completely give it away, but I think that that sets it up. Lee, did you even buy the premise? I uh, so first of all, I, I actually I did see this movie in the theater. Um, what? Well, it was why because it was a date with my wife, and we wanted to find a movie. And you know, I, I actually really dislike this movie a lot. <laughs> um, partially because I, you know, paid $30 to, to watch it. Um, 
I, I, I thought this was a really stupid movie, and I, I was so disappointed because I thought it was going to be like The Shining in space, you know, because the, the trailers kind of had this. <laughs> Why? Sense of, well, because the Shining. Well, because the trailers. What? Because well, the trailers have this sense of like they're they're isolated, they're alone. And there's got you've got this creepy bartender. I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up. I mean, there's a there's a sh- if you watch the trailers, it kind of sets it up like something's going on. You don't really know what. Um, the fact that it's like it turns out to be he wakes up because like it's a it's a malfunction, and then he wakes her up because he's kind of you know a creep, and then. Uh, this stupid thing with the frigging reactor. I mean, it's, it's a horrible movie. I mean, this is not a good... I, I, we haven't talked about this at all, so you might have really uh, enjoyed parts of it. I, I thought it was a really, really just deeply stupid, stupid movie. Um, it actually reminded me in a, in a bad way of, uh, of, 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 of Wally. It was kind of like Wally meets the shining. <laughs> you know, the part where they go out and they do the space dance. Um, Sure. I, I was really hoping it would be kind of creepy, like uh, like Sunshine, you know, uh, which is a movie I, I like two-thirds of an awful lot. Um, but this movie was just really, I thought, just stupid. Like, it was really just a moronic premise, uh, executed horribly, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and made virtually no sense at all. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, totally, uh, totally nailed it. It totally rips off Wally in several facets. Like I, I was okay with the setup, but like the moment, uh, the moment that you have to believe in like this far future advanced technology that there's a ship that once it starts like detecting errors, like its first thing should be to wake up the crew, right? What the hell is the crew there for? They they state early on there's five thousand passengers and two hundred some odd crew. Wouldn't a bunch of those pe- people be maintenance people who would wake up once errors start propagating around the ship? I mean that made no sense to me at all. Yeah, like that's that's the basic premise. So then you all right you skip that. I think the mo- the movie had a chance to do something interesting. It did. Like it 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 completely mishandled how. Uh, you know, sort of she discovers that he's woken her up and the consequences and, you know, the, the fact that they ended up tying this cute little bow around Ugh. that, it would have been far more interesting. What, you know, maybe maybe The Shining is what we needed. Maybe she should have murdered him because basically he murdered her by waking her up. Dude, no, so that's what I'm saying. So I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh, this is really... Because, you know, like I didn't really know exactly what kind of tone to expect. I'm like, this guy's kind of a creep. He's sitting here kind of... You know, they kind of suggest he's like kind of jerking it over her like pod, you know, <laughs> and then you know he wakes her up, and then the robot waiter like you know uh, gives up the, the 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 truth, and it's like oh my gosh, this is going to be really creep because he starts like doing that you know the when she's jogging and he's like doing the the PA system, uh, I'm like this is going to get really kind of it's gonna he's going to turn into like some kind of stalker, or she's going to have to fight him off. It's going to be some kind of you know like. I don't know what. Like Chris Pratt's not exactly a guy you go to for like, you know, a, a kind of a, a creeper. But whatever, you know, play against type. Um, and, and then next thing I know, they're like he's in some kind of reactor shaft, like venting some kind of like shit in his space. The movie, the movie like had this like kind of cool thing going, and uh, and and then what they basically do 
is uh, they ruin the place for the people who eventually wake up by, like, you know, tearing it to shreds with a bunch of, uh, you know, plants. They, like, destroy the actual, like, place. I mean, those people woke up and the, the place is in ruins. They could have killed them all. Yeah, the <laughs> that that was the really funny thing to me, right? That they utterly destroyed the 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 biosphere of that ship. Destroyed it. Now, presu- presumably, though, I guess the the premise is that which this didn't make a whole lot of sense. That the crew was supposed to wake up like a couple of either like several weeks or a couple months before they arrived at the planet, and then at that point they're supposed to act like they're on a cruise liner because there's like a sushi place and you know they can play you know basketball games and xbox and all this shit it's like what is that i was kind of wondering is that where the corporation was going to make the money off the people like they spend all this money that they don't have and then they become basically like human trafficked cargo you know where they become indentured servants on the other side of the galaxy was that the economy i i just couldn't figure out what they were saying there yeah and like you know then uh lawrence fishburne basically wakes up long enough to advance the plot and then he just kind of spontaneously dies like that was weird like yeah that's that's the thing why okay so one there's a couple scenarios either he came on that ship and had like horrible like cellular cancer or the ship gave him cellular cancer and they make a big thing about the pods being no one, you know, these pods are like, they don't ever malfunction. That's, that's how he gets awoken. But not only is this one malfunctioned, it essentially just killed the guy. Right. And so, so then, again, where's, where's tech support? <laughs> so then you're like, okay, this is cool. This is a ship full of dead people. How frigging creepy is that? That's a movie. Like, I want to see that movie. I don't want to see like, you know, they plant some trees and then they die and everybody wakes up and it's like, oh, what happened? I don't know. Anyway, like, I thought it was just... The other thing I wanted to see at the end was like some kind of like, um, like a feral, like space kids or something, you know? Like, I, I felt like there was a... There's probably a <laughs> you moment... like that little kid from like the road warrior running around with his boomerang and diving into holes in the trees that they grew in the, in the biosphere? I mean, I, I guess we're just meant to assume they got old and then one of them died and the other one was like lonely and sad. I, I like, like this movie doesn't... There's no good ending for those two. Um, I, I was really hoping they would like die saving the ship together and then... I, there, there's so many ways that movie could have gone, and it for me it, it it went in like every opportunity. It went in the wrong, stupid, dopey, moronic direction. Well, maybe maybe in the sequel they you show them like five years after, you know, they've saved the ship and they start waking people up just to screw with them, or like you'll be like, all right, well, we want to play we want to play two on two basketball, so we got to wake some people up, right, and see I how mean- they cope with that. He's playing like Dance Dance Revolution by himself, and you know it's just it's it, it's it's a it's a mind-bogglingly uh, disappointing movie because I, I like the aesthetic, and I like the kind of creepy tone, and it's like they decided they wanted to make like a romantic movie, and it's it's not romantic and it's not really creepy after a point. It's just it's just kind of jaw-droppingly silly. All right. Um... I know, Lee, you wanted to talk about uh, a third film, and it's not a new film. It's a very old film. In fact, it's a film that takes place in the year 2017. And it's funny, I think we're not going to get into politics here, but certainly with our current president, there have been a lot more people who have pointed to apocalyptic fiction and said, well, that could happen. 
you know, maybe the purge is coming. But Lee, I think you rightly pointed out uh, another movie, uh, The Running Man from 1987, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger in the which was made in the decade of Schwarzenegger when he was just chucking out these fantastic action films where you have a futuristic uh, scenario that could actually be something we could be, you know, you could point to and say there are elements of that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I was flipping around uh, Amazon free videos because, you know, I didn't want to pay five ninety nine for passengers again. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Wait, I, you watched it again? <laughs> Leave me to my vices, would you please? So I, uh, I saw The Running Man. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I'm like, okay, it's like 10 o'clock. I really want to go to bed by like 11.45. I need like an hour and 45-minute movie. So I'm like just flipping around looking for something that fits into my time and my kind of uh, my short attention span to watch. And The Running Man was there, and I was like, you know, I'll watch a few minutes of this. And I, and I couldn't turn it off. Um, I mean, first of all, it's it, it really is like Arnold at his like most kind of uh, campy, but kind of but but fun. You know, it was it was when he was really you know the, the Commando era when he was really kind of hitting on all cylinders with those kinds of uh, kind of goofy, but also you know he had a real. I mean, and he still does, but he had this real kind of presence that no one at that time was really uh, uh, commanding. Um, Not even close. No, he was. He was. Th- that was his decade. It, it, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he made so many great. Like it was like really one a year, sometimes more. Um, and he was like cranking out just some really classic action films. And I mean, this one I thought was interesting in the context of, as you said, it was, you know, it was made about thirty years ago, uh, but it predicted so much in the sense of like, uh, you know, reality TV and kind of how, um, you know, we kind of are are uh, amused by frankly, having kind of our basest urges, you know, played out on screen, um, you know, the, the political system was kind of corrupted and corporatized, uh, and, and you've really got this, uh, uh, this, this world where, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a sense of, uh, social stratification, and I, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's over, uh, stating it to, to imagine that we could easily have a reality show of convicts doing battle. Um, I, I would hope not to the death, but, um, you know, that, 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 that doesn't seem in 2017 particularly far-fetched at all. Um, and I just, I thought as a movie, uh, it's, you know, it's, it, first of all, it's a lot of fun. Um, Maria Conchita Alonso, you know, doing uh, sit-ups and lingerie is, you know, never goes out of style. Um, you know, uh, Richard Dawson is just a total asshole, which apparently he was kind of playing himself. I, I, the word is he was just really a, a kind of an awful person off, uh, off the set of uh, The Feud. Um, but it's a movie that just is a, is a lot of fun, both because, you know, it brings back some great memories, but also because it, 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 it is really, uh, in, in some ways, really aged into itself in terms of just the kinds of entertainment that really we watch kind of unironically now. Yeah, there's there's a scene really early on where Dawson is you know setting up his next show and he 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 picks up the phone and he says, "Get me the Justice Department Entertainment Division." <laughs> that, that really made me laugh so hard. But then you think, God, is that uh, 
it, it, that's you know when you when you kind of think about it in the rubric of he's got in that film Arnold Schwarzenegger who goes on to be an actual governor of the state of California right. and Jesse the Jesse Ventura who goes right. on to be governor of Minnesota and then we're talking about now we have a guy who was a reality show is our president it's kind of insane to think that that's actually very plausible it it, it really is I mean it's um it's there there are several layers to that movie as you're watching. You're like, wow, this is really, you know, it's not something uh, quite so on the nose as The Purge. Um, you know, it's it's more like, I, I think probably it's one of those things where when you watch a movie like The Running Man or Starship Troopers that are kind of satirizing, you know, kind of highly militaristic societies, um, man, some of that really hits home pretty hard these days. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at the in the beginning of the film, he is a soldier working for the government and they're responding to what they call is a food riot, which is like completely believable. Yeah. Like how far are we away from food or water riots? That's going to probably something like that could easily happen in our lifetime. And he refuses to essentially murder these people. And then he, he becomes uh, a prisoner and then he escapes prison and then he gets uh, reacquired by the government. Then they put him on on the show, you know, and it's it's definitely, you know, has a sort of like Rome Rome set up where they're going to put him in the, you know, the Coliseum with the lions, essentially, and people are going to bet on it. But again, you know, these are elements that are just not that far afield from where we are today. You know, if, whether you're talking about people wanting to gamble or people being more attracted to extreme violence like MMA, you know, that is certainly the, the next level. If people were just hunted down uh, and, you know, in, in the show, the contestants, in you know, are, are, are told if they survive, they'll be free, you know, and that's exposed within uh, the, the, the movie as not true. But again, <laughs> all of those things aren't hard to imagine, sadly. Well, and the the way he's framed too, with like the um, the editing of the video, um, and and this like kind of idea that that uh, you know, I mean, we live in a world now where kind of the media plays stories to kind of the side that they're coming from, and I mean, it's it's again, the movie's kind of on the nose about it, but the fact that they they edit the the, the cockpit video to make it look like he. He was the one who chose to attack those people. Um, you know, I mean, right. you could certainly imagine something fake, like that happening. Fake news, man. Fake news. <laughs> fake news. Alternative facts. Exactly. No, I mean, it's it's a really, you know, it's a fun movie to rewatch, uh, you know, 30 years later. But it's it's a really kind of interesting movie uh, uh, to, to really kind of sit back and say, like, wow, like, this is hitting home harder than I wish it would. Right. And, and, and the good news for you is like, yeah, if you like seeing people walk around in like colorful spandex, this film is full with it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's and it, yeah. I mean, as a just as a as an 80s action movie, um, it, it, it was a certain kind of it was a peak of a certain just kind of anything goes crazy, ridiculous aesthetic. You've got the opera singing, you know, electro, <laughs> electro guy. You know, I mean, it, it's just an insane movie. But, uh, you know, it, it really holds up well. I really like the hockey guy. Yes. No, I, <laughs> and, you know, you've got the you've got the, the, the Schwarzenegger one-liners, and I mean, oh yeah, it's 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 funny because I don't think it was a particularly huge budget movie because uh, it does uh, look the the special effects. I think even 
from their time were not particularly impressive. I mean, some of the like the, 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 the helicopter scene is such an obvious blue screen, um, or not even a blue screen, it looks yeah. like a rear projection, but it's still fun. I mean, you watch it with a certain kind of set of lenses on, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's not only fun, but it, it kind of gives you something to think about, which is, you know, I don't even know if they could have imagined at the time they made it how, how prescient it might have been. I seriously doubt it. I'm sure they were in full camp mode. Um you know, it's, it's and it's it's crazy to think, like you said, that 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 came out that came out the same year as Predator, yep. which I think has a much better visual aesthetic that holds up a lot better and is you know, on I think on every level a better film and maybe in some ways The Running Man kind of probably got pushed to the side that year because of that. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a lesser film than Predator, but it's you know, I mean, it's uh, uh, it's also. It's also a movie that I don't think has been necessarily, uh, it certainly hasn't been rebooted or really kind of thought about a lot, or at least that I've seen uh, thought about a lot in the past uh, past couple of decades. So it's, the cool thing about watching it again is you're, for me, it was like watching it almost completely fresh. I mean, it brought back these memories, but I haven't probably watched it in 20 plus years, you know? Um, so it was kind of cool to to have a, a real distance from it. Whereas with Predator, you know, we've been seeing sequels and Alien versus Predator and blah, blah, blah. You know, the Predator's never really left the zeitgeist, but The Running Man's kind of like a, it's kind of a forgotten gem. And, uh, I, you know, I would say if you're, you know, if you're sitting around with a with an hour or two to kill, it's, uh, there are worse ways you could spend the time than, uh, than, than, than busting that one out again. I, I completely agree. So that, uh, that gets two thumbs up, and as you mentioned, it's uh, if you have Amazon Prime, uh, you got it. It's free. Go for it. Lee, we're going to talk about uh, a trailer that, that dropped very recently for the upcoming Justice League movie, um, and here's, here's a quick taste. Arthur Curry, the Aquaman. It's on him. Organic and biomechatronic body parts. He's a cyborg. You should probably move. Barry Allen. Whoever you're looking for, it's not me. Okay, Lee. Um, obviously, anyone who hasn't seen Batman versus Superman is probably not going to know what's going on in this trailer so expect some spoilers for that film if you haven't seen it i think in our discussion uh so what, what, what was your sort of from the hip take when you saw this trailer do you like it do you hate it I, I first of all i want to turn the brightness up on my screen because everything is so frigging dark i don't understand why batman versus superman everything's in the dark suicide squad everything's in the dark and I, I don't understand why i mean these are characters that are bright and they have bright costumes and and they have this kind of very you know uh memorable like american aesthetic and they 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 put them in this dour dark universe where the sun apparently never rises fighting monsters that are just basically kind of shapes i mean i'm sure we'll get to see them better uh, the parademons when the movie comes out but um I, I, there's a lot I like about the trailer and that I want to like about this movie, but I'm worried it's going to be another Zack Snyder, like just slow-mo 
dark fest. What about do you? you? What do you think? Well, <laughs> who do you think the villain is here? Well, I mean, I know who the villain is. Who do I think the villain is? Or from the trailer or from... Yeah, from in the, in, in the movie. So supposedly... Uh, now, I haven't seen the 19-hour the um, uh, uh, director's cut yet. I have it, <laughs> but I, I haven't just... I haven't put the weekend aside to sit down and, and, uh, and, and, and watch it. Um, I've only seen the 15-hour theatrical version, but I've seen the clip, and apparently there's a scene in um, Batman vs. Superman Extendo Cut where you see Steppenwolf um, appear to Lex Luthor for a few minutes, and apparently he is the villain and is going to bring an army of parademons to Earth. Am I, am I on track here? Uh, no, you are, but that's not who the villain is here, Lee. The villain is Zack Snyder. <laughs> oh, this trailer is up. terrible. It's terrible. You, I, I, I don't even know where to start, but let's just start with what you were saying, which is like everything's dark. This feel, and so it looks to me from this trailer that you're going to have battles happening apparently once again in a, an abandoned warehouse district in Gotham. And then when they're not doing that at night, they're going to be battling under the ocean in the dark. I mean... The color palette is a disaster. The plot looks like a disaster. So let's talk about the actual characters. You, uh, I don't even know where to begin. You have Khal Drogo as Aquaman. You have one-eyed Iron Man playing Cyborg. Uh, we have Rehab Ben Affleck as Batman. And then we have the, the hottie from The Fast and the Furious as Wonder Woman. And then you have the weird kid from Fantastic Beasts as a Flash. None of this looks right. None of it looks good. None of this looks like it's going to be anything other than another just like head-scratching long film where you just come away wondering, did that set up the next film? Did that just make any sense at all? Is there going to be an extended cut of this film already that, the, that that's going to maybe be co- more cohesive than whatever they choose to release? There's, there's nothing positive here. It really seems like they are doing this thing where they want everyone, all the characters to speak in these kind of like quips, not really dialogue, but everything is like this, you know, shall we? You know, everything's got to be this like cool, and it's a Zack Snyder thing. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's what he does. But there's no sign in this trailer or in the previous trailer that anyone is actually able to speak to each other in anything resembling like human dialogue. That's going to be really frustrating if the whole freaking movie, because Suicide Squad, frankly, suffered from the same way. Everyone was always trying to have some kind of like iconic, like clever, quippy, quotable moment. And God, after a while, it just feels like you're being punched in the face. What's your superpower? I'm rich. (laughs) Um, You know, I, uh, I mean, you've got the bat mech. You've got, you know, the Batmobile is, you know, back again. I guess. Uh, I, I hate the slow mo. I do. I do like the, the the slow mo hair flip. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty good moment. Um, uh, I, I I I just don't understand why this all has to seem so like. It just it, it feels like everything is just turned up to eleven. Everything has got to be just like max speed. And just crazy, 
like slow moe people flying around and jumping like i mean but there's no kind of sense of like uh uh what the what the what the characters are like or what the you know kind of how they're going to interact with each other and, and and maybe we'll get some of that but i don't think we will i mean we've seen you know this will be the fourth movie in the dc cinematic universe i guess fifth after wonder woman which we haven't seen yet but man there's no sign yet that they've got it figured out they need to take the reins away from zach man that's all i know I, the only thing i liked about it and i and i know you're a uh, i know you're a big beatles fan i mean i'm a big beatles fan too but uh, I, I thought the the remix of Come Together was kind of cool, maybe a bit uh, obvious, but I kind of liked that uh, for the trailer, just as a just as a piece of trailer making. Um, but uh, aside from that, it's just a freaking mess. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I guess there's no point even having strong or even high expectations for for one of these films anymore, but. It's kind of a bummer, like you know. At a certain point, you start. To, you know, we see we saw this year with Logan was fantastic, and you know, I think the certainly the Captain America arc in the Marvel films has been really great, leading into the the Civil War. I oof. is DC actually going to get it together at some point, and you know, stick a landing on any of these movies. Well, I think part of the problem is, and I, and I think it might be a problem more for DC than for Marvel in some ways. You know, Marvel has always been kind of grounded more in a certain reality, you know, real locations and, you know, people with like, you know, their uh, their their alter egos have like somewhat something resembling real life problems and real life conversations. And, uh, you know, pretty much if you think through all the Marvel movies there's a point at which they are kind of you know beaten down and they're 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 tired or they're vulnerable in some way and i mean as far as i know aquaman wonder woman are pretty much invulnerable uh the flash looks like he can move so fast nothing can legitimately harm him what was uh, up with the body your... armor the flash was wearing what the hell was <sighs> that oh i don't know i don't know what i guess because that? it's just it's such a weird suit. I don't know that maybe they just... I mean, the TV suit is awful. Uh, the old, like, 1990s TV suit is awful. I don't know if you can do a Flash suit that's not awful. So I maybe. guess they just thought maybe... And, I mean, uh, if, if Cyborg looked any more like video game CG... Yeah, that uh, effect was pretty cheap looking, right? Oh, that's bad. That's really, really bad. Um you know, I, I, I do happen to like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and more than Batman, really. I think his Batman is kind of hokey, you know? Like, I mean, my turn. I mean, everything is, like, delivered that way. And it's so cheesy. And uh, It's it's the curse know. of Christian Bale. But I agree with you. I think he actually does make a better Wayne than Bale did. Yeah, I mean he he, yeah. he can pl- he can pull off kind of rich like prick pretty well, um, and I and I yeah, actually fancy he, that. He, look, <laughs> right? he looks like a good Batman. I like him in the suit. It's just yeah. they don't give him like interesting things to say. And I I wonder if part of the problem is, you know, if you think about something like you know Super Friends, you know, which is where you know you tend to see th- these characters together. You know, I know it's like you know, Justice League cartoon, but it's like there's a certain kind of 
goofiness to them that you kind of have learned to accept in like the animated form. You know, Wonder like Twins Aqu- activate. Right? Like seeing like Aquaman. Form of a bucket of water. Form <laughs> yeah, of a giant I mean, eagle. Like having a character like Batman hang out with Superman and then you got Wonder Woman in an invisible plane and a guy who can command like giant seahorses with like uh, saddles on them. This is weird, right? I mean, this this is really hard to pull off. And it's like they've decided to pull it off by making it just so oppressively kind of grim looking that I just I it just seems like a no no fun at all. And and these are characters that should be if nothing else a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll see the finished product uh soon enough, but yikes. Do we think that Superman can rise from the dead without just going like Christ figure times two thousand? Because I'm I'm really worried about what he's going to be like when he. Co- I mean, he was already like a dour pill in the last movie, so I I can't imagine after being dead what he's going to be like. He's certainly not well, going to be any. Happy. Maybe they'll make him evil and give him a personality that would uh, be refreshing. Great, yeah. I mean, I think this movie is going to stink. And there, you, there, there is not a. I won't even call that a bold prediction. That's probably like the baseline. So, Adam, you and I over the years have uh, both played our share of Mass Effect. Um, you know, this was a trilogy on the prior generation of consoles that uh, did some really amazing stuff. I mean, it created a, a real new sci-fi universe and moreover and i think this is really kind of revolutionary it kind of carried forward a save across three games across about six years and you know even in the the later games you saw your um uh, your decisions from the, from the first game reflected uh you know much later and I, I think they really did a pretty amazing job they've just launched mass effect andromeda which is a, a whole new uh, a whole new take on that universe, and uh, I understand you've been spending a little time playing it. I have as well. What, what do you think so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm about ten hours in, um, and maybe a little bit more. I, I, I will say my the first five hours of that game were not so good. I think now that I've gotten a little bit further into it, and, and frankly used to some of the uh, some of the the systems and the, the navigation and, and uh, the UI, which I think is Problematic, but you, you you know you do adjust over the course of playing a game long enough. I'm I'm enjoying it, but you know it's it, you know this is a game that's probably somewhere between fifteen and eighty hours, so it's hard to render a judgment until it's over. But I will say that I can't shake the feeling that I'm disappointed. You know, after waiting five years since uh, Mass Effect Three. You know, you start to have high hopes about a franchise that you know Mass Effect Two was easily one of my top. 10 favorite games of all time and so that sort of builds up an expectation and you know i think the the short of it is this game just didn't improve across the board like i was expecting it to now do you think that is part of moving to a new generation of consoles or have you uh have you played other games in the meantime that have raised your expectations or is it just a sense of you doing the same thing over again what what's been kind of your your, your disappointment. I mean, I, I think I'm okay with the kind of doing it over again. Um, but, you know, there, there have been a lot of games in the last 
couple years that uh, you know Destiny or even Zelda that just came out or, or Horizon Dawn, where I think companies are getting better at doing sort of these open world games where you're not necessarily bound to any given path at any given moment. And you know when Mass Effect came out, it was I think amongst the leaders in sort of setting up this like world where you could you know you could choose a path, right? Ultimately, there were milestone missions that advanced the story, but as you were at specific, you know, planets in the story, you could go and do side quests, you know, you could go find characters and you could do missions uh, with them and that built up the affinity and changed the outcome of the game. So you sort of expected, I was expecting that to kind of go to the next level and that hasn't happened. And then I, I think one of the real big problems with this game, you know, a lot of people on the internet, and we'll talk about this, we're complaining about the animations, and that's that's mm-hmm. problematic. But I actually think a much bigger problem is the, the 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 user interface and the menus is really kind of choppy and poorly designed, and the font is really tiny, and there's a lot of key things they don't explain to you that, frankly, if you don't either figure out through strong gaming experience or intuition or reading about it online, you know, can leave you very frustrated early on in the game, and. I think when that's an outcome, you've done something really, really wrong as a, as a game designer. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I am only about four hours in, so I'm, I'm not anywhere near at the place you are. And I'm, I'm really having a hard time feeling like invested in the characters. And it's funny, to, to, when I think back to Mass Effect 1, or the Mass Effect uh, initial trilogy, I mean, the, those characters in that setting felt so rich and so well developed and so kind of thought out and i mean you know mass effect one as a as an actual game to go back and play it now is feels pretty clunky i mean the the combat the combat was pretty uh uh, kind of kind of uh choppy uh kind of unpolished um and but but the the story and the universe and the lore and the setup was all really very engaging. I mean, it really was an example of a time where you kind of put up with some repetitive gameplay in order just to see what the story how, where the story takes you. And you know when you have to make decisions about you know killing one crew member versus another, you really kind of feel like invested in those people, and it's uh, you have to live with those consequences. And man, you know I, I I'm not very far in, and I'm giving it time, but I am not anywhere near as invested or as interested in what I've seen so far. Um, you know, like, uh, there's a, a sense of kind of sameness around a lot of it. You know, you've got the same, all the same uh, 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 kind of types of, of, of you know, alien characters, um, but none of them seem like they're anywhere near as interesting as the ones we've seen before. And, and, and I, I wonder if Bioware is not kind of living with uh, the legacy of having done it too well the first time. Yeah, but they also, I think, made, you know, decisions. So in the uh, in the timeline of this game, it's supposed to actually happen, uh, the events of this uh, happen after Mass Effect 1, where they've decided, you know, much like the film Passengers, to colonize mm-hmm. uh, a distant distant galaxy, so they send these ships off, and you mm-hmm. play as the protagonist, who's the Pathfinder, whose job is to sort of problem-solve and set up worlds, and 
you're supposed to be coming into a much better situation, but it turns out they've arrived and all these planets are screwed up and there's a new alien, you know, aliens running around doing things. We don't know what they're doing and they're hostile. So you have to kind of go and problem solve and, you know, go to, go to planets and make them habitable and wake up the crew members and all that stuff. It's, you know, that, that part's fine, but it doesn't engage in the same way the, the stories uh, in the first trilogy did, at least not yet for me. Um, and I think you just, there are moments where, you know, in 2017, when a game is clunky, it's not as acceptable as it was when you were playing Mass Effect 1. You know, when early early on in the game, and I don't know where exactly you are, you're you're on the main, the first planet, Eos, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's this mission where you have to go out to, uh, uh, a, a, you know, you drive around on the map in... But by, by the way, the vehicle that you have to drive across all planets, it just handles like crap. I hate it. And it, it's like it, it, yeah, it's, it's, this is the... the not the nexus the uh nomad and like to it's slow and so you have to like constantly be hitting turbo to go faster but something about the turbo rattles the screen and it like makes you nauseous sometimes it's like whoever designed that i seriously want to just punch in the face but so you get to this this mission early on and the you know the way the way all these missions work is there's sort of a checklist that you have to go through and the checklist the first checklist item is you arrive is to clear out the hostels and I go and I, I, I kill them all, and then I'm wandering around, and there's, like, this shield generator. All the other shield generators around it can be turned on and off. This one can't. And I know, okay, something's wrong. Something's not triggering here. And I wander around for, I kid you not, the better part of an hour trying to figure it out. And there's another structure there where you're doing something, and I do that, and it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. There's still a force field covering where I need to go. And it turns out that even though the, the the line disappeared saying for the task, saying clear these people out, disappeared, I hadn't completed it, and there was one bad guy who was sitting there cloaked, not moving, not attacking me, just growling, and so I had to suss him out and kill him, and it, it, it took me a long time, because this is not a small area you're wandering around in the first place. Right. And I thought, okay, maybe that was just bad luck for me. You know, maybe I just sometimes in these games, they're very intricate and you come in the wrong way or you do something quite, you know, a little bit out of order and it screws things up. But I kid you not, like the very next day, a friend of mine who's playing the game, Jake, had the same exact problem. And it annoyed me to tell him the solution because I'm like, I had to suffer through this. But like it saved him a ton of time. It's just like the fact that that was immediately repeated showed me, you know, how flawed the game really is. And I've had a couple times already, uh, where the game has just stopped. Like it's reached a load screen. And by the way, it loads super slow, you know, mm-hmm. don't Same die. As it ever was. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that doesn't seem to be acceptable to me anymore that it loads that slowly, no. but like a couple times, it's just like on a loading screen, it's just crashed and I've had to quit the game and restart. And fortunately it, you know, it, it's constantly saving where you are, so it's not a big deal, but it's still annoying. And like, how is like, I don't even know, understand how a game like that kind of gets gets released, frankly. And I mean, I do, but it, it's it's disappointing. Like, I was expecting a super polished game that took all these mechanisms, and you know, it, it's a complicated game, right? You're you're collecting things, you're storing things, you're researching things, you're developing things. You've got you know trees to augment powers and weapons and armor and 
that that stuff's fun, but they don't they don't make it particularly fun with the with the interface and like why like how did how did somebody not figure out how to improve upon where they were instead of I think at worst maybe even going backwards and making it more complicated than it needed to be it just it's baffling to me. Yeah, I mean my experience and I, I am earlier than you are obviously, um, but you know even in the early just segments walking around the the space station uh 95% of the people on the space station uh you can't interact with in any way at all right uh there's this feeling like and, and when you when you get to the people you can they're just kind of standing there um and i guess i've gotten a little spoiled by a game like uh, the witcher 3 which i've been kind of slowly working my way through which you know, it's it's huge. It's crazy huge, but it has this sense of like, of, of of liveliness. Like there's like most people you can have even some kind of canned interaction with, or many of them will give you something to do, um, or they'll they'll engage with you in some way. And I feel like with 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 Andromeda, like so far anyway, like I feel like I'm I'm in kind of like a dead world. You know, like everything is just kind of like, uh, I don't know, it feels very like, even this, even the Citadel in, 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 in the old Mass Effect games felt more kind of alive uh, with kind of people walking around and doing, you know, doing business or whatever they were doing. But uh, with this, it just kind of seems like the, the people that are on the station are just kind of props. Like it doesn't feel like real to me. The first world you go on where you crash land uh, and you're having this kind of combat experience it just felt like even though it looked pretty cool it was just a bunch of corridors disguised as a world you know like disguised as a more open world and maybe it opens up later on but um i was pretty unimpressed with kind of the initial kind of combat experience it felt kind of like mass effect 3 where you get these like rooms full of people that you had or creatures that you had to defeat or robots or whatever uh, and you couldn't move on until you did which it sounds like you, you got caught by that and it's like that's just not a very like convincing game mechanic uh i don't know i i so far i'm not i'm not super impressed by what they've done yeah it's you know i i like for the most part i do like the combat and i like the fact that they opened up the sort of uh progression tree so that you can kind of craft what kind of character you have and what kind of powers they have i think that's that's a positive um you know on the flip side the you know you pick your your teammates that come with you uh on the mission and you know, while it's in theory serving the story, sometimes to have a specific character who may contextually be relevant to where you are, it's like they don't do anything to help you when you're fighting. You know, they don't, you know, they're not going to revive you and they're not really going to kill anything. And you can't direct them other than to say, go over here. And even when you do that, they immediately go away from where you sent them to take cover. Like they're smart enough as the AI characters to do that, but then they're, they don't help you. And it's like, I, I've gotten to the point where I, I can't stand it when you have, squads, uh, you know, AI squad mates who you can't either completely control or just send, you know, let them go away. Like, I don't want that. To me, that's still something where I really prefer with Halo, where when you're playing the campaign, it's just you and you don't have to worry about anybody. And, you know, to think that we were playing games, you know, 20 years ago where you had more control over your squad than you do today with, like, you know, Rainbow Six or something, like, how have we gone so nowhere with that? You know, it just seems so 
there's just no no progression there, and it just I found that really super disappointing, especially in a game that prides itself on you know character interactions and having your kind of party and your crew. It's like pointless when they're with you. It's pointless. You know when you're talking to them on the ship, yeah. that's fine, but the, they've made the, their their existence you know in backing you and being with you just utterly meaningless. Yeah, I I also have found. Uh, myself wishing that the game was in first person. I feel like maybe I could get into the sense of role playing a little better if, like, I wasn't kind of following my character around, like, from the air. And I don't know if it's because, you know, like, uh, I, 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 I don't know why with this game I really felt like I, I was not a part of what was going on. I really felt like I was kind of just guiding a little person around as opposed to actually like being in the world myself. Um, but I, I, I really, I think one thing they could have done that would have been kind of interesting, given that so much of the game is around uh, cover-based shooting mechanics, would have been to try, you know, to try to go with a more kind of traditional shooter look and feel while still weaving in the RPG elements. I, I, I don't know that it would have worked, but I, I would have liked to have seen them try. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, would have, I would have welcomed a first-person thing. You know, and the other thing that really, you know, again, I don't know, you're not quite as far, but one of the mechanics in the game is you have to constantly be scanning things in your environment. Yep. And, it, it, you know, it, it, it's fine as a mechanic, and it, you know, it, it allows you to power up and find things and develop resources but it actually takes you out of the game because you're you're constantly looking in the immediate area instead of like enjoying like the aesthetic of like something they've designed escape a vista you know an alien citadel whatever you don't you don't actually get to appreciate that because you're always with your damn scanner you know in in non-combat moments and they've made it there's there's a little bit too much you know kind of hide and seek in the game um, and that was something that some people didn't like, you know, at a at sort of a, a more macro level in the earlier games, and they've instead doubled down on that. And that's a you know a curious decision to me. Yeah, I mean, for a game that's supposed to take place in an entirely new galaxy, um, I don't know. I found the experience, you know, when when we first docked on the space station, and and the the other arcs uh, have not appeared yet and everything's unbuilt and you go around and you talk to everybody and they're like oh yeah when nobody showed up we just kind of said screw it and it's like what I, I don't think that's like that's not convincing to me as like a, a storyline you know like it just didn't it doesn't so far feel like it's making a lot of sense and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that as I give it time I'll kind of you know settle into it more but um, as it is right now it just it feels it feels like an expansion pack or something it doesn't feel like a a real kind of fresh start for this this franchise, and that's that's concerning because it's, you know, I mean, Mass Effect was such a a, a moment when it came out, and uh, and and really each of the two sequels was 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 great in their own way, um, and this this one just kind of I don't know, it's it's not uh, really very inspiring right now. Yeah, I mean, if you were. Rec- I mean, if you were asked to recommend this game at this point, would you? Uh, I mean, I, I'm 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 struggling to kind of push myself to play it. So I, I I have to say, this feels like a game that needs some technical work. It needs some patching. Uh, you mentioned the animations before, which 
I mean, they're some of them are, are, are pretty bad. I mean, I, I yeah. can I can overlook it, um, but you know, some of the uh, just some of the the, the the virtual camera work is kind of out of whack, and people make these weird faces all the time, and their eyes do strange things. I feel like they're gonna work that stuff out, and um, it's it's probably not a game that I think will reward early adopters, and will probably. Uh, be much better in you know three or six months when it's when it's seen a couple of patches Um, i don't think i would rush out to buy it myself yeah i'm with you i I, i'm not even sure i'd be able to really recommend it to somebody if they weren't kind of a diehard mass effect fan like i'm i I feel like there's enough here i'm gonna play it through and i don't know it won't be at the same pace that i ate through the other games but you know i think i'm gonna push through this game and I, i you know i think i'm going to continue to enjoy it on a certain level but it's hard not to be disappointed every time you pick it up and you you kind of run into one of the sort of barriers that are baked into the game that you know you just have to live with and that's that you know that's a bummer like you were just talking about like cut you know cutscenes and conversation i just right before this played gears of war 4 and that just has really beautiful uh cutscenes and you know the, the the facial movements aren't fantastic but they're seriously better than than what we're seeing in this mass effect game and you know i remember hearing though we're using the ea frostbite engine man if, if this is an ad for that i wouldn't be putting any money into it yeah yeah i mean you know there have been so many great games that have had these very memorable and convincing worlds and you know i playing as i said the witcher 3 uh, i've been playing fallout 4 i mean there's some games that really kind of make you feel like you're in a in a place in the old Mass Effects, I really felt like not only was I in a place, but I was like part of a, a group. Like there was actually like characters that were really interesting and storylines that were really interesting. And uh, this feels, it feels like I'm, I'm in a, a, a theme park or something. It feels artificial and, and, and kind of clunky uh, in a way that, um, that, that, that is, is, is really surprising given the, the pedigree of, of Bioware and given the, you know, the amount of time they worked on it, um, it's 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 kind of troubling. I, I I hope they can they can, kind of pull themselves out of it. And I'm 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 absolutely going to give it some more time because I, I'm, fully aware that, uh, it takes some time to build into to to, to settle into these things sometimes. But, uh, uh, you know, man, if if it didn't have the Mass Effect name, uh, I don't know that I would even be inclined to keep to keep moving forward on it well harsh words but hard to hard to argue with that yeah we'll have to circle back in a in a month or two and see see how it uh see how, how it's looking then yeah for sure all right that is our episode uh once again i'd like to thank my comrade in arms lee clunts been a pleasure adam all right. And as always, uh, you can find us on Twitter. And maybe more importantly, if you like our podcast, uh, tell a friend and uh, get them to subscribe. Thanks very much, folks. Take care, everybody.